Um, last week, you may know that uh, Tim was with us, and um, Tim, and I'm not going to say his last name for sake because we're online. And by the way, if you're online today, we trust that you're enjoying high-quality streaming because we're working really hard at that. So thank you. <laughs> I know many of you, many of you have had. We've we've tried, and we've. We, I know we've had hits and misses, and we are really working diligently. So if you are watching online, please be one of those that text the word online to three five two. Four four one three zero one six, and and give us your report because we are trying to king, you know iron out all these bugs and get a high quality stream. Because like Karen said, we believe that we have a message to go to the ends of the earth. Amen. So um, if you are at home, if you whether you're in your PJs at the kitchen table or lying in bed or whatever, you're so welcome, and we hope that you feel part of it. But this last week we had Tim. Um, Tim with us, and as you know, Tim works. Tim and Carolyn work in the in the Middle East, and we had a. Uh, they have just such great hearts for the gospel and and taking the gospel to the world, and and they fly under the radar, and and you know, a lot of people. Um, a lot of ministries don't make a lot of money, especially if you're the unknown people, if you try and fly under the radar. But it was interesting. You, don't know, you know that, that Jesus said a number of times in the New Testament, he said, don't go and tell anybody that well, this happened. He, there was a mighty miracle or something, and Jesus said, Shh, don't tell anybody. Have you ever wondered why? Because you think, you would think that everybody wanted to hear about it, but Jesus said, no, no. Jesus knew. He wasn't trying to be, um, you know, self-abasing in any way. He, was, he, he knew that there, there is a certain amount of attraction or fame that comes, be, there's spectators that, the fa- that, that fame can bring. And so I believe that Jesus felt like his ministry would be more effective under the radar, one-on-one, than it necessarily will be in crowds. And we see that many times because many times he had big crowds following him. And remember, he used to say things, and sometimes that was offended a bunch of people. Oops. Jesus didn't really care that much if it offended a bunch of people. He really did not know how to build a church, a big church. I'm saying that very cautiously. Because if you have to follow most plans today, they would say, whatever you do, you don't offend anybody. You say whatever you can. You try and get everybody there. You do, whatever you do, you, you've just got to sort of toe the line. Well, Jesus believed in truth, and Jesus believed he was the truth, of course. But, but he knows that as he ministered truth, that, that it was going to be what effectively changed people's life. And, I, and, you know, here at Lake Haven, we value authenticity. We value genuine things. And we want you, like Corin said, this is not about religion, people. This is, you know, if, if what you're looking for here is a Sunday church service and, and just to sort of punch the clock, then you might not be super happy where, you, where Lake Haven is at. Because we don't want to offer you sort of a punch the clock kind of message. You know, let's get done by this time. Let's get out. And I've done my piece for Jesus. We really, we really do want to get to know Jesus. We really do want to go on a journey with Jesus. We really want to embrace what discipleship means. And, and, and we invite all of you to come along with us. We want to pursue what Jesus has for us because Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. And that word is like hupersios. It's, it's like perisios, but it's hupersios. It's not exceedingly abundantly above. God's desire for us is to live life. But if we play religious games, all we get is religious stuff. And I am not for religion. 
And, and so I'm, I, don't want to, I don't necessarily want to kick religious cows over every Sunday um, or, or, you know, or, or whatever. But, but you hear my heart in, the, hear my heart in this is that, is that we want to invite you into something that's authentic. We want to, we want to bring you on a journey with us because we're all learning. Carl and I, all the leadership, all of us are learning as we're going. And, and we have something genuine that can genuinely affect your life, bring genuine healing to your body, genuine healing to your emotions. I don't want to play games. But you know that I've been speaking, uh, uh, I've been speaking a few weeks ago about the word repent. Jesus and John the Baptist and so on said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you, we, what he was talking about was, as I said in, that, in those messages, was be willing to let go of what you know. That's what the word repent be, it means. It means to be prepared to change your mind. He wasn't saying, all you sinners Stop sinning because the kingdom of heaven is here. Listen, people, if sinners could stop sinning, then Jesus didn't have to die on the cross. I'm going to say it again. If, this, if a sinner has the ability to stop sinning, then grace has no place and the cross has no power. Go and think about that for a while. You see, grace is the ability in God's grace when we understand His fullness of, 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 of grace. We, we can receive grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And, and that's a, a whole other message. But understand that, that as we walk this, this journey of, of repent, we have to have a, a repentant heart. And repent isn't something you did in 1972 or in 2007 or yesterday. It, it is a continual process. Are you willing to listen to what Jesus has to say to you? Are you willing to let go of what's in your hand so that you can learn something else? God says it this way twice. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the humble, again, is those that are teachable. You see, we all walk with a certain amount of things that we've adopted, particularly religion. We've adopted a certain set of beliefs about God, about Jesus, about a lot of these things. And so what I've been doing in this last little while, talking about repent, and, and, and even before that, about rightly dividing the Word of God, it's necessary for us as believers to, to, to have to be on this journey and this willingness to learn new stuff. Now, you've heard me say these things before, but, but here, here... On a Sunday morning, particularly, we have believers. You, you are, most of you are believers in America. This is not an outreach crusade where we're, you know, we're at a bar down the road or we're, we're in a, on, a, on a regular crusade field where people have never heard the gospel. You all are family members here. And now I would like, I would like you to, to feel the freedom ultimately, of course, to, to bring people into the church. Of course, you know, th this is a place where you, you should feel safe to bring sinners. And, and for, for crying out loud, we love having sinners in this place. Now I've got to say that really carefully. I'm not saying we love for you to be sinning. Do you understand the difference? We love, we, we love to, to, to be a safe place where sinners can come. You know that Jesus was called, the, 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 uh, the uh, Pharisees called Jesus as they mocked him and called him a friend of sinners. 
So many times when Jesus was, when that woman came in and, and took that, that jar, that alabaster jar of perfume and, and, and broke it and poured it over his feet and, and you know, all of those things, or, or cried or wept over and washed his feet with her tears and dried his feet with her hair. The, 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 remember, the religious peoples were sitting there watching Jesus, I mean, watching this happen and said, thought to himself, Simon thought, thinks to himself, he says, if Jesus knew who this person was, and it says, Jesus, perceiving his thoughts, said, Simon, what have you done for me? You know, Jesus has never had a problem with, with showing love to sinners, and neither should we. We invite sinners into, yes, but this is not, this is not just a, a, a place that we have the gospel. We are equipping you to take the gospel. And so each of you have a kingdom assignment. And I mean that. If you're a born-again Bible-believing believer, <laughs> Bible believer, you are equipped with a kingdom assignment. And, and I know that that sounds, um, it, that sounds intimidating for many people. They say, oh, no, you know, kingdom assignments are for religious people or for people that have already gone to Bible school. But no, 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 no. You and I have the ministry of reconciliation. When we walk through these doors, you and I have something real simple that we can take to the world. A kingdom assignment. And you know what Tim said last week, right? Tim, when, when, when Tim and I were talking about kingdom assignments, and he said that where he was, where he was living in the Middle East, that's one of the things. When he goes to college, where, where, he, where he travels to, he just befriends people. He befriends people in the taxis. He asks people about their family. He asks people, you know, he just starts to get to know people, and one thing leads to another, and he will often invite them to come to a small meeting, or he will come to meet them for coffee. Hey, why don't we just meet for coffee down the road? How's that any different from how we can live? Can we befriend somebody in the checkout line at Publix, or can we, can we offer a neighbor you know, to mow their lawn or take them some baked goods or whatever it is. How can we just befriend people and invite them along on this journey with us? Come invite them to have a free cup of coffee. If you feel so inclined, you know, we will have services here that are going to be targeting more of unsaved people. Is that okay? How do you feel about that? Do you think, do you think church should be uh, sometimes target? So we have a slightly less spiritual service and maybe do just a movie night or something like that, right? Do something that we can invite people to do. But this service should feel safe for everybody. And that's, we certainly hope, if you're a guest here today and you're a visitor, know that you are safe and you are welcome. Anyhow, but, but um, so... So this, what is your kingdom assignment? Are you feeling a kingdom assignment, okay? So um, I have said, I've written, I wrote this down, you know, that, um, do you remember that, a little bit of pop culture, right? I'm, I like some of these sci-fi things. How many of you remember what the answer to the ultimate question is of life, the universe, and everything? Anybody? If you know, if you're a pop culture person, you should know what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. The answer is 42. Don't you know? Okay, sorry, people. I'm evidently the only one who watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
If you watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you will know that the answer to life, the universe, and everything is 42. Now, if Arthur Dent goes across the world, and he get, if, you, if you know the story, Earth gets demolished, and he, gets hitch, he, gets, he gets, takes a hitchhiker ride on a spaceship, and they are making this way to this big, deep blue computer, I think it's called, I forget, and, and the, uh, this computer has been chunking away at an answer uh, for seven and a half million years, I think it is, and it's about to give the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So they go there to find out what the answer is going to be. What is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And so Deep Blue chunks out the answer, 42. And they were like, what? That's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? 42? And then, and so they asked the question, so what was, what was the question in the first place? And Deep Blue says, well, I'll have to think about that. So he has to, has to build a stronger computer that's going to take even longer to figure out what the question was in the first place. <laughs> okay. Okay. Does that sound right? <laughs> so you know that many of us, many of us, we, we, you hear this all the time. What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life, right? Most people don't know what the meaning of life is. What is the purpose of life? So they, they I mean, they, they may joke and stab at things like this. I am, as you know, I like, I like science stuff. I enjoy science stuff. I love looking at evolution stuff. I like looking at, uh, there's books and there's so much, there's so much awesome science and, and, and uh, things that prove about creation, really, if you're a creationist. And, and one thing I learned, um, just listening to these minds that talk about anti-creation anti, you know, and Darwinism and so, so on, but you see the results of Darwinism in the world. Um, you see what Darwinism has, 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 has created in the world. If you follow, you follow people or you've listened to the philosophies or, or listened to people of what, like Hitler or Stalin or Lenin or Marx or Mao, all of them look to Darwin. Darwin's theories of evolution led, led scientists on a road to, because you see, when you as a human being have decided there is no God, you will not see any evidence to the contrary. No matter what somebody shows you, if you have already decided before you approach any topic what the answer is, you will not be able to see the, 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 the facts as presented before you. That's important. You see, because Jesus said it this way. He says, there's none so blind who think they see. If you think you see, you're blind. That's why it's important for us to embrace a teachable heart. You see, but, but these scientists that, that, that claim, oh, well, you know, this didn't happen and this didn't happen. And, um, and there's all off, offshoots of, of people of Christianity where it's been subverted. We've, we've actually lost faith in God. We do not believe the Bible anymore. We've taken the Bible and we said, oh, God didn't really do this. And there's so much of people who call, people who call themselves Christian, who call themselves doctrine, that, that one, they don't believe in God's standards. They don't believe in the creation of the world in seven days. They don't believe this. They don't believe that Mary was, had immaculate conception. They don't believe this. They don't believe that. There are so many people who have chosen not to believe what God said. And the problem with that is if you start maligning and start choosing what you're going to believe out of the Word of God, you will not be able to believe the God of the Word. 
Once you put it, the Bible tells us God's Word is, He is the Word of God. He is made manifest. And so it is important for us as believers to stand for truth, but know what we believe, to have a repentant and teachable heart. And, and it's, but it is amazing. I mean, again, scientists, you get all of those that, that will argue. To, and, and I'm telling you, there's no point in even arguing because there are such phenomenal, there are such phenomenal scientific facts like irreducible complexity. If you go to the Discovery Institute and you just look up Michael Behe and look at any one of his books or whatever and you, and you study irreducible and, and complexity or any one of those things, you will see that there is absolutely, there is fact after fact after fact in different scientific disciplines, whether you're studying, studying astrobiology or you stu you're studying microbiology or you're studying all these kind of, these different sciences, you will find that this there is always points to the truth of what God says. But they will not see it. Those scientists will not. Now, there's another group of scientists who have, uh, I, you know, they're not, I wouldn't call they, they, these, those false scientists almost because, you know, typically science in the beginning was just a, a process of discovery, true discovery. But that's not what they're doing. They've decided, there is, they've decided in their heart there is no God. So they will not listen to any facts, and they will only choose to believe that. I've seen that time and time again in human nature. People will believe what they have chosen to believe, no matter what evidence you show them. That's why the Word of God says, by faith, we understand. But again, now there's a group of scientists that have said, okay, we're going to approach science and all these facts that we can study in nature. Now, Romans 1 tells us that God's nature is clearly evident. And it is. God's nature is clearly evident. It's, it's, you can see it in waveforms. You can see it in light. You can see it in sound. You can see it in... It's, there's so many things that, that God is... You, you can see the nature of God resonating similarly in so many places in time. Now, there's scientists that have come to the conclusions after they look at their, their evidence and they say, man, there is a designer. The evidence is... Emphatic. There is absolutely no question this couldn't have happened by chance. There has to be a designer. So they call that intelligent design. Now, some of those, as you've, you know, Lee Strobel was one of those, and of course Lee Strobel ended up becoming a believer. And, and so he's written books, The Case for Creator, and all of those books that, that, um, that he's done, and, a whole, and he's put it together a great series um, of, of things on that. But, but there are people, there are scientists that sort of, sort of live in that camp. They believe that there is an intelligent designer, but, you know, all roads lead to Rome. It could be, you know, Allah, whatever God, I don't know. But we know that there is somebody out there. And that's where they just leave it. They camp over there. But you see, we're not of those people either, right? Because we have come, you all have come here because something, someone you have brought in had an experience with God himself. We have answers for the world, but the answers we have isn't 42. <laughs> we, 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 you know, and I know that used to be such a cliche, you know, Jesus is the answer, but uh, depends what questions people are asking, right? How are they asking it? Are they asking questions? Now, is it okay if I talk like this? I know this is a little different, but, 
But if you, if you, we, we're not mindless machines. It's okay for us to go and study these things and look into these things and to find out, hold on a second, where, where is God? And I'm telling you, the more I study things or read things, the more I'm like blown away. I'm excited about some of these things, man. It's, it, it, I can't believe that they can't see it. It's like, are you kidding? Look at the sciences right there. Science is right there. How can you absolutely deny it? Yeah, the God of this world has blinded them. Exactly right. Anyhow, so if you do want to study that on your own and just go to, I would encourage you to go to the Discovery Institute. Look them up on Google and you'll find links to lots of things, books and videos and different scientists and different things. It's called the Discovery Institute. You'll find a lot of, lot of good information if that's even an interest to you. So... Um, but Matthew 9, 13 says this, Go and learn what this Je Jesus said, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, there's that word repent again. And he uses the word, his, Jesus is saying, he says, I didn't come to call the righteous, he says, to come, but sinners to repentance. Now, let me just put this in order. Is there anybody that is sinless? No. We know that every man, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, it says in Romans 3. So he's not, the point that he, Jesus is not making that there are some people that Jesus came to call and some he didn't. And the ones that are kind of living right, he didn't call those ones. He only came to call. No, that's not what Jesus is saying over here. Righteous, to, to believe righteous, to, to be righteous means that you have decided to align yourself, to agree, to line up with what the truth is that Jesus says. If you believe the way that Jesus says it, then you are living and thinking and believing righteously. You're lining up with what his view and opinion is. We've spoken about these things in the past. That's what righteousness is. But sinning, now, I just want to touch on this word sinning for a while. A sinner. What is a sinner? Okay, now, I, one, of the, one of the words for sin, one of the most common words for sin, um, if ever you've been to Bible school, is harmatia. Harmatia literally means to miss the mark and fall short of the prize. Interesting. That is the word sinning. When you, when you dig into it, when you sin, you miss the mark. It's, it's literally what I'm told is that it's a bow and arrow. Sort of the imagery in Greek is an, is an archer letting loose an arrow that does not strike its target. And does not have, a, and it's like you fall short of the prize. You see, so there is a way of living. There is a, there is a target. We know that when we study the character and nature of God, because that's what we should be doing. We should be studying and reading the Word of God to understand the character and nature of God. Not like I used to. If you come out of a legalistic religion, poisons your mind to say, how do I do right and how don't I do wrong? That's called legalism. If I just have to live right, and if I just toe the line, and if I just this and I just that, so all you do is read the Bible to say, I, I've got to live right. I lived swamped in a world of, can I live right and can I live wrong? And, and if that's your entire Christian experience, I have compassion for you because I know what it's like to live under that burden. I know what legalism can do to a believer. And believe me, I've seen it firsthand. Legalism can crush you as a believer. It can stomp out your, it will stomp out your intimacy with God until you do not even know what intimacy with God is. Because all you have is 
you better toe the line because if you toe the line, God will bless you. If you don't tie the, toe the line, God is going to strike you or you're going to die or you're going to get sick or you're going to whatever. But you see, God is, when you study the Word of God and you study the Word of God to know Him, Get to know who he is. Get to study the word of God to see his character and nature. That is the best thing ever. And we've, this is when we, we've spoken about in, in, these last, in this last month or so, where we've gone back and we've studied um, um, the names of God or how to divide, rightly divide the word of God. Those clear pictures that, that I don't want to expound on so much right here, but know that the names of God describe his character, his nature. Do you know that there's not one name of God that's negative? Everyone is positive. Everyone of God is, is reaching out to you to, to bless you. Every one of them is something positive towards you. Nowhere does he say, my name is, I'm the God of fury and judgment and wrath, and I can't wait to frizzle you up <laughs> or stomp you out. You know, it's, I am peace. I am your banner. I am your victory. I am your healer. I am your provider etc., etc. God, that is who He is. And when we, when we see, and, and you've heard me say it so many times, Hebrews 1, 3, that Jesus is the interpretation. He is the key. You cannot understand the Scripture without Jesus. And I mean all the Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. The interpretation, it says in times past, God has shown Himself through these, these prophets. And, and through, but now in these last days, He's, he's his exact representation, the imagery of God is revealed in Jesus. We, we have struggled in the past to understand who God is, but Jesus is the interpretation. Jesus is the interpretation, the only way, truth, and life. The only way that we can come to know the Father, the only way, because He is the exact representation, right? We've said this many times. Exact representation. So it doesn't matter what you read in the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, you've got to see it in the interpreting it through the life of Jesus, through the teachings of Jesus, how He talked and spoke to people. You've got to see it in that way. If you don't, then you're not, you're not um, uh, uh, dividing the Word of God correctly. That's why we've spoken about covenants and all of those things in, in, last, in the last few months. But so again, back to this harmatia, when it says that Jesus says, I've come to call sinners to retire. He says, listen, I've called those people that are missing the mark. I have come to call those people that are shooting the arrow skew. I've come to call them back to a change of mind. I I've come to call them to change their mind. Remember, we've spoken about repentance. It means to change your mind. So... Um, Mark 1, verse 14, after John was put in uh, prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. I want you to see that. The good news of God. Not the bad news of God. Not the shape up or else news of God. The good news of God. I know that it's not rocket science here, but if it says good news, then it's good news. It's not bad news. Okay, so it says Jesus, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That's what the angel said. He was going to bring good news. And then he says in verse 15, uh, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, and we'll get into that sometime. Repent, change your mind, and believe 
the good news. Now, Isaiah 53, such a critical piece of pain. We're going to touch on it briefly. Here the Lord is speaking, and he says, who will believe our report? Who will believe it? And then he goes on to give this whole, if you're a student of the word and, and you've been with us anytime, you know Isaiah 53 is about Jesus and how the servant that would come and he would take the punishment that brings us peace. It's going to describe the whole great exchange, right? And so, but it starts that whole chapter where God is saying, who will believe this? Who will believe this report? And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, listen, repent, change your mind and believe this report. Change your mind and believe this good news. Change your mind about whatever you think you know about religion, you, you Jewish believers, or, or maybe you um, Pharisees or Sadducees. Change what your mind. Get ready to believe what he says, what he is. And until we say, okay, okay, I get it. I'm ready to change your mind. You will not be able to see that God is good. In fact, the... Um, in, let's, I mentioned earlier, God, Jesus, I love this about the life of Jesus, and it blew me away because I think I'd already gone to Bible school, and I never really saw this, that Jesus was a friend of sinners. I was like, wow, Jesus really was a friend of sinners. And so the more I camped out on that, I saw these two things. It wasn't like Jesus only hung out with sinners. That's not what he did. It wasn't like the sinners were his closest friends. It wasn't like he was partying all night at the sinner's place all day. But he had no problem going to a party. He had no problem for his very first miracle making a bunch of wine. He had no problem going with the people that, that, the, that the Pharisees and their religious people hated. Now stop for a moment. Let's cast our eyes across society right now. Who... What people do you think our religious society, and I'm speaking as a great big clump of us, will point their fingers to somebody and say, they are sinners and unacceptable? LGBTQ community, that's a good one. Others? Uh, people that have had abortions or yeah, abortions? Anybody? Sorry, what was that? Of abortion providers, absolutely. Other religions. Yeah, the world. So, we, the, as, a, as a Christian community, we've become known in today's culture to be finger-pointing, critical, and mean. We've pointed our fingers at sinners and we've expected them to live righteously, which we know they can't until they're born again. They are incapable of being righteous. But we have actually been like the older brother of the prodigal son. If people, if there's a prodigal that's on his way home and we're the critical elder brother, God forbid they run into us before they meet the father. Can you imagine that? In the story of the prodigal son. In fact, let's turn to, to that, that chapter quickly in, in Luke chapter 15. I, I think it's a powerful thing. Now, um, let me just pull it up here. I didn't even have my Bible open on that page. 
Have you got Luke chapter 15? Okay. Now, what I love about this chapter is um, how it starts and then what he covers in this. Luke chapter 15, um, verse 1. Listen to this. Um, It starts, and I'm going to read to verse 3. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Hmm. Stop. Interesting. Why do tax collectors and sinners want to draw near to Jesus? Question. How many tax collectors and sinners today want to draw near to you? Why? Why did they draw near? Why did tax collectors and sinners draw near to Jesus? Was it because they never felt condemned? Was it because they never felt loved or they felt loved? Anyhow, let's carry on. Now, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, here's the goes with religion again. They grumble. They do not like this person who claims to come reveal God, and he accepts sinners. Now, listen, we've got to put this caveat in here just for all of you who want to run with it. He doesn't say it's okay to sin. He, when he deals with sinners, he says, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. But he has never not accepted the sinner. He has never not loved the sinner. So let's carry on here. This man, so the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Okay. So he told them this parable. What happens in the next, in this chapter is he actually tells three parables about a repentant sinner. And the first one is about the lost sheep. Where he goes and, and he goes and finds the sheep and he, he leaves the 99, goes and looks for the sheep and then rejoices when calls his friends together when the sheep is found. So is heaven that rejoices when one sinner repents. Then he goes into another parable um, and it talks about the lady with the lost coin. The lost coin. She loses a, a coin of value, and same thing. She looks high and low. She gets a candle out. She goes and, and finds, finds the coin, and, and then she also celebrates. Okay. Before I get to the third one, I want to ask you a question. Does it say that the lost sheep went looking for the shepherd? Does a lost coin find its owner? Who is the one pursuing the coin and the sheep? The shepherd. He is not rejecting the sinner. He is reaching out to sinners. He is constantly for sinners so that they can turn to him. Do you see that? In fact, in Romans 2, it says it's the goodness and kindness of God that teaches us to change our minds. Remember that? I think we have that down there, Christine. That, um, there you go. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God, listen to that. It is the goodness of God that teaches people to change their minds. If we are not showing people the goodness of God, they cannot change their minds. 
We've, we've spent a while back, maybe a few months back, we spoke about that we are it. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is up to us to demonstrate to be the extension of Jesus. So who has got to show the goodness of God to the sinner? I know. <laughs> it's us. We can't say, oh God, please go and love on that person. You are it. Tag, tag, you're it. That's what I should have called it. Tag, you're it. I like that. Tag, you're it. We're it. While we're sucking air on this side of eternity, we are it. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. If we don't do this, without us demonstrating and being the Jesuses, by how? By, by being kind to sinners. Now, does that mean, I'm going to put my caveat in here, that we're saying it's okay to sin? No. But we are not, we're not letting their sin interrupt our love for them. I'm going to say it again. We will not let our sin interrupt, or their sin, sorry, to interrupt God's love for them. And, and we have to have that personal experience where if you have lived a life or if you've been poisoned by religion and you don't feel like you're worthy of love, let me tell you, you are worthy of love and you need to have an experience of God's love so that you can be filled and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what you have done, when you lie in your bed at night, that not feelings of guilt and shame wash over you, but what Jesus has done for you to set you free. What Jesus has done, not just for you, but done for the whole world, to set you free, to give you life and liberty. So it's the goodness of kindness of God that leads to repentance. And of course, the third parable in Luke 15 after that is the prodigal son, as we call him the prodigal son. But as you've heard me teach, that's not what he says. It doesn't say this is the story of the prodigal son. It says there was a man who had two sons. If you only preached it as the prodigal son, that's half of the parable. <laughs> there was a man who had two sons, Jesus said. And then he goes on to tell the story of one who... As you know it well, I mean, it's one of the most famous parables of all. Takes his inheritance, basically says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want the money. And, and, and says, give me the money. I want to go. And then blows it on prostitutes and righteous living. And righteous, yeah. So, not righteous. Sorry. I, I, thank you. Um, so he goes and blows all the money, ends up. You know, without a, a penny, of course, when the money's gone, the friends are gone, la, 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 la. He's starving. He's feeding the pigs. And he's like, man, my dad was, he remembers how good his father was. What did he remember? How good his father was. Hmm. He gets, how good his father, he says, I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to tell him I've sinned and I'm not doing it because even his servants are treated better than this. And so he, on the way, you know, he heads back. And then, of course, you know the story. His dad comes running very ungracefully, apparently in those days, runs up to him and embraces him. And he doesn't even get his well-rehearsed little speech out. He gets halfway where before he gets to the, don't, don't, where he's, he was about to still say the piece, I'm not worthy to be your son, just make me one of your servants. He doesn't even get to that part of the rehearsed speech. He gets smothered, he gets kissed, he gets hugged, he sends servants to being rings and robes and sandals, etc., etc. And then, of course, they get ticked off. The older brother gets ticked off. Is a son. He is a son. He is in the kingdom. But that is such a powerful truth. 
There are a lot of prodigals. There's a lot of, there's a lot of older brothers in the story. There is a lot of brothers. And that's not where we want to be. We don't want to be prodigals. We don't want to be older brothers. We can be older brothers, but listen, we've got to understand this piece, that it's the goodness of God that we have to take to the world. And, and just to wrap this up real quick, you know, you know this very well, but I'm going to read these three verses quickly. Hebrews 8 verse 12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and remember their sins no more. 2 Corinthians 5.19, I'm reading it out the NIV, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have the message of reconciliation to bring to the world. Psalm, if you go back to Psalm 103 verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins and nor repay us according to our iniquities. And I can't unpack all of that today, but you've heard some of this in other messages. But God is not about treating people according to their sins. In uh, John, in fact, I'm wondering, yes, John 17, verse 23 when Jesus prays, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. Jesus wants the world to know that they are loved. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am and see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. An un an unconditional love. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I want to read that last bit. I have made known to them, verse 26, I have made known to them your name. And we've spoken about his names many times. I will continue to make it known that the love which with you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I'm going to save this last verse to after this. I think this is a good spot to roll the mission video. Won't you roll the, um, the missions video, please? Oh, Costa Rica was so awesome. Like, I, I don't even have the words to explain, like, how awesome. Travel day to travel day, going and coming was eight days. Uh, we had a team of 26. Absolutely amazing. The unique part about this one were all the youth. The mission trip to Costa Rica was like, life-changing to me. It was my first time ever leaving Florida, actually. The people there are so much nicer. That lots of them are super grateful for every single thing. The people were so genuine and kind and loving. And like, one thing that stood out to me was like the kids we were like ministering to. Like, we would give them like toys and stuff. Like all these toys, and they appreciated it. Appreciated the toys so much and like, over here, it's like, you don't really see that as much. The 
drive was probably three or four hours in the van, very, very rough roads. Uh, but you know, not one person ever complained about the roads. Our first, like our main place that we went to was a remote village that we could only get to by boat or airplane. And I'm terrified of water. I've never been on a boat, so my mind's like a little canoe that we had to paddle and you know. I don't, I don't know if there was alligators in there or crocodiles, whatever they have, but I was not. The scary thing was, that boat rocked a lot. That boat rocked so much. <laughs> you would tell, like I was telling everybody, just stay still, stay still. Like, no, people didn't want to stay still. It's just like this on the boat. We were there to just love on them, love their culture, love who they are. So we have like two separate like ministry times. One was mainly chiropractic work and reading glasses and stuff. And when that was happening, I was doing reading glasses. People are starting to come in and I'm looking at them and I can't speak Spanish and I'm just smiling like, come on. And um, they're just like looking at me. They're, they're looking at like the chiropractic work and what's going on and they're looking at the glasses. David Taylor said, Stephanie, why don't you go and pray for those people sitting over there? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> This is it. So we're sitting down and we're like, you know, so how are you? Like, how's your family? Like, you know, just asking like small talk questions. And then um, we said, you know, do you mind if I pray for you? And, um, you know, they said, okay. And we asked if there was anything specific that we could pray for them for. And they said their family. So, um, you know, I just started praying in English, obviously. And JC didn't want to interpret. He just was like, just pray in English. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm just praying and knowing that they have no idea what I'm saying. But I'm just, you know, as I'm praying, I'm like, you know, just help them to know that you are such a good friend, that you're such a good father. But when I said friend, I'm like, okay, I know the word amigos. So I just said amigos, you know. And then, but like, what was so cool about it was the lady just started crying. It was like you could just feel the spirit move, even though we didn't speak the same language and she had no idea what I was saying. Well, we all, like drove in like three vehicles because that fit all of us and we would take bags with us and go like knock on people's doors and like give them bags of food and stuff just sustain them for like a couple days and of course like we'd pray for them. There was a moment when we had gone to pray for some families on the mountainside and um, give them food and we had met a girl in a wheelchair and her mother um, actually had uh, I believe a brain clot or a brain aneurysm or something and um, she went to the hospital and they were going to open her up and see if it was cancerous or not and she was there and just she had so much joy and love in her heart and she was just came and she saw us and she just lit up and she just embraced us and then I get to her grandmother and I bend down to talk to her grandma, and she grabbed me by the face, and she just held my head up against hers. And I just started praying for her in the Holy Spirit, and just, just allowing God to just love her through me. And I look up at her eyes, and she's just like sobbing, like these big alligator tears in her eyes. And I could, at that moment, I really knew that God was loving her through me, like literally, genuinely loving her through me. I was reminded how important each little piece of the body of Christ is. And occasionally I didn't feel like my part was very vital or important because it wasn't, 
big or touching, but um, God reminded me that every little bit matters. The wonderful thing about the mission trip was watching the excitement of the children. Their faces would just light up when they saw people. You know, we had all kinds of little craft areas and things that they could go to. We made hundreds of these little rubber band bracelets. <laughs> and they'd be gone as fast as we could make them. And they'd come back for more. Well, I helped make the bracelets and I helped with the face paint and I helped give glasses out and pray for people and just really helped with the kids. Even though there was a language barrier, I didn't even have to say anything. I would bring out the soccer ball and kids would just come running. They would just out of the bushes. Spent uh, the day doing our skits. We did our dances. I was amazed at how many people knew the church clap. We would start the church clap and people would come in from everywhere and join. I was like, wow, this is like a worldwide thing. Well, we ate a lot of rice. That was one thing. The food was really good, but rice and beans definitely got very tiring after a while because that's what they eat for every meal. Three meals a day, every day, rice. Food there. Oh my goodness, food was so good. It's mostly rice and beans. It, it was good rice. I'm not complaining about the rice, but it was a lot of rice. <laughs> They didn't have any burritos, which I was kind of sad about that. Apparently that's a Mexican thing. So we had people that didn't even want to talk, volunteering to do devotion or testimony in front of a large group of people. Like GT, he um, made, got me like confident to do stuff. He like pushed me through. And I did, when we went to ministry, I did a testimony and devotion. And I actually prayed with some people, opened up, showed my heart a little bit. Every night we would gather together and worship the songs that we barely knew, but we, we just kept singing the same songs that were on our heart. And, and it, we still all became to worship for him. And it, uh, I really enjoyed the worship. When people say like, my heart was overflowing with joy, like before I could not, like I was like, okay. <laughs> but really on this trip, I could really feel it. Like you could almost feel your heart just like exploding. Like you could feel it overflowing with joy and being so happy and wanting to tell everybody about Jesus. It was really fun. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Man. So proud of you all for going, man. Thank you so much for being prepared to, to do what it takes to go on a trip. And like we've said, it's one of the most life-changing, potentially life-changing things you can do is to go on a, on a mission trip. And I know there was a bunch of work, and thank you for sharing pictures and videos, and to Bert and David who spent this week getting that together. <laughs> so um, it was awesome. So we, 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 I'm sure we'll still hear testimonies of how your lives have been affected. I heard numerous, of, num numerous people say that, my life has been changed. And life has been changed. So, but did you see the common thing of what we were saying here? It's, it's what an opportunity just to share love, just to have an opportunity to express love. In John 13, 34, and we'll finish here, a new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. I think, you know, we construct, how many verses do I know? If I ever say anything to anybody, I've got to have this Bible school knowledge. And we, we remove ourselves and we, we paralyze ourselves from a very simple thing that Jesus asked us to do. Love. That's all he, he didn't say, be this way, be this way. Just walk in love. And specifically, he says here, believe it or not, love one another. One of our greatest testimonies, our greatest testimony that you have and I have is this. Love your brothers and sisters here in life groups because that testimony will speak so loudly to the world that they will want to know why you love that much. It doesn't say, I mean, we've already spoken about loving sinners, but I'm talking about just loving your brother. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my followers if you have love one for another. The simple challenge again, as always, is receive his love and love one another. That means resist the opportunities to devour Resist the opportunities to talk badly about one another. Make choices to change your mind and love one another. And let's work together at getting this gospel to people. Amen. And then, and then it's easy. It's easy to invite somebody. When somebody comes up to you and says, man, they notice something in your life where you've loved them or you've loved your body, your, your, your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Take them to coffee. Bring them to church. Let's have a culture where we bring people and get them exposed to the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your love. Thank you that our hearts are changed, completely changed by your love. And so we, on, we, we open our hearts just to receive that. What will you do? My question to you, what is the Holy Spirit asking you to do apart from my words if there is? How will you respond? What does that look like practically? What does that look like practically in your world? What does that look like in your family? In your groups or your small groups? The Holy Spirit will empower you to do what He's called you to do. He will empower you because He has made you a witness. He has made you a witness. If you're that person earlier that we spoke about, or you want to just respond in you need prayer for anything, please don't leave the building when we dismiss here in a few minutes here. Come up and speak to one of our awesome prayer ministers in front here. Um, you are loved. You are loved.